welcome to my podcast and thanks for listening. Oh, I'm just so excited today because I have another brand new guest with me. And you can be excused if you think we sound just a little bit alike because our old dad used to tell us that we did fall from the same apple tree. So yes, my new guest is my sister, Amy, and we just got back from the most amazing and awe-inspiring adventure in Guatemala, and we'd like to tell you about it. So welcome, Amy. Thank you. It's fun to be here. Yeah, so this episode's entitled Guatemala, Adventure with a Social Conscience. It's a win-win-win. So let's set the stage. I've never really been one for group tours, uh, but we heard about this little travel company called El Camino Travel. And they're a small, purposeful company who attracts mostly women adventurers, and their traveling is really aimed at um, adventuring with a social conscience by supporting small businesses and sourcing out local resources for employment and goods whenever possible and the whole purpose being to raise the level of living and life satisfaction in some developing countries. And Guatemala is the perfect country for that. I was reading that they have something like over 50% poverty rate and over 70% in the indigenous Guatemalan population. So it's really a great country to travel and really consider where your travel dollars are going and making some good choices to make sure that the money does go back to the locals to help them have a better standard of living. We really didn't know what to expect, but we found out that our group included 11 women and we were all pretty much like-minded and most of us were in the 40-year-old range, but a few of us were older and a few of us younger. But we were all, you know, flexible, interested, adventuresome, creative in our own right, and socially minded. But before we began our adventure, Amy, first we had to get to Guatemala City. We did. So apparently what happened was a severe weather event occurred in eastern United States which created chaos with flight schedules across the country, resulting in delays and cancellations. And for us, it meant a missed flight, an unplanned 24-hour layover in LA, Los Angeles, and missing the first part of our Guatemala tour. However. The weather was beautiful in LA and we were able to salvage the day with an impromptu trip to Venice Beach and Santa Monica, which we thoroughly enjoyed. Yeah, like I always say, that just gave us another story to tell. So we got to Antigua, or we got to Guatemala City and a driver was waiting for us there to take us to Antigua, which was our base for the first four days of our trip. So Antigua lies just a little bit southwest of Guatemala City, which is the capital of Guatemala. It's a small city, there's only about 50,000 people there. And it was once the capital of Guatemala, and it's now designated as a UNESCO World Heritage Site. And if you've listened to me before, you know that's just one of my favorite things in the whole world. Antigua has a really interesting history due to past politics and natural disasters dating back to the early 1500s, and it's something worth researching. 
Just the location of this city alone is fabulous. It sits under about three massive volcanoes, which obviously are just beautiful backgrounds for photo ops. And the morning and evening views are exquisite. The city centre is really small. It's got an easy grid street system with the main Plaza Central Park in the centre and the huge Antigua Guatemala Cathedral serving as a good reference point. Another landmarks are the Santa Catalina Arch and the beautiful yellow Iglesias de la Mesa, the church at the, both at the top of the 5th Avenue North. And it's so small that a self-guided walking tour would take all of 20 minutes if you walked really quickly. So if you just visualize, you know, with the volcanoes to the south and the west and a couple of well-placed landmarks and the tidy street grid pattern, you really can't get lost in this city. And as you're walking around, you see, oh, many historic churches and ruins and museums to investigate, superb coffee on every corner, an abundance of restaurants with just shockingly good traditional and modern food and plenty of artisan shopping. And, you know, sometimes while you're walking around a city like Antigua, it's easy to forget that um, that poverty rate in Guatemala is really, really high and there are lots of people who live in substandard circumstances. So we got to Antigua that morning and um, right away we began our tour group activities and we were taken to a small textile studio called Luna Zorro on the outskirts of Antigua. And this was our harbinger of the, the week to come of all the adventures that we were to experience, but also the knowledge that we were going to learn about some of the social circumstances in Guatemala. And Luna Zorro uh, sources local materials and products and employment and especially hires a couple of generations of women in the same family for traditional Mayan backstrap weaving. And this is a centuries-old craft handed down through generations. A strap is tied behind their back and the other end of the weaving is tied to some stable object. And then the woman uses her strength to lean back into the strap and provide the necessary tension for the weaving. So Mayan weaving is just so important to the Guatemalan culture because a woman can reflect herself and her community and in fact, each Mayan community has its own identifiable weaving pattern and color design or scheme. But more importantly, it provides a much needed income for women, which of course gives them more individual power and um, gives them funds to support their family. This was just such difficult and meticulous work and it was absolutely gorgeous and colorful and intricate. And it's just important to remember that one article of weaving could take months to complete and the woman will receive only a meager income by our standards for just hours and hours of work. So after we admired that weaving, we got to try our hand at dyeing our own aprons using natural dyes, again all sourced from local plants. Now I had my share of tie-dyeing in the 1970s, so I chose a splatter technique which requires no talent whatsoever. You just splatter on the dye powder onto the apron that we had, and then you tie it up and then you throw it into a, a barrel of, I guess, boiling dye, and, and then it comes out in some kind of pattern. Uh, you never know what it's gonna turn out like. So Amy, what was your apron like? 
my inch, my apron was somewhat more organized, <laughs> to say the least. Um, and I did probably use the 1970s tie-dye process for accomplishing it. We really laughed because um, when all of our tie or our dyed aprons were lined up on the clothesline. Each apron really reflected the personality of the person that did it. Mamie, yours was really precise and even, and mine was just a little more chaotic. So, Amy, one thing I loved about Guatemala was the coffee. The coffee, yes. yes. So, our first, our next trip was to the De La Henta coffee farm uh, near Antigua. Um, it's a family-run coffee plantation out just outside of Antigua. The manager, Jose, with the help of an interpreter, took us out to the fields and explained to us every aspect of producing coffee, starting in the field, from ground prep through planting, tree growth, bean development, harvest, bean processing, to finally brewing and drinking the coffee. It seems the men do the work in the field till the beans are ripe for picking, which is when the women take over. After some time in the field, we were invited into the family home, which was a huge privilege, where Jose's wife showed us how she roasts the beans in a pan. First of all, the beans went through a very old, more than a hundred year old machine that basically takes the outer layer the, the beans are dried in the sun on the roof of the house and then they're taken into the house where the women roast the beans. Um, Jose's wife roasted them in a pan on the stove. I believe it was in their family kitchen, on their family kitchen mm -hmm. stove. And then grinds them by hand on a stone and she used a 75-year-old stone roller much like our rolling pins, but instead of being in two parts, uh, it was all in one piece, and she just kind of rocked it back and forth to crush the beans. The ground beans then went into a pot of boiling water, then were strained, and we were served the coffee and a treat at a nicely set table. Now the treat was a little I don't know if it was a cookie or a pastry or what it actually was, but apparently the, the protocol is that you must dunk this into the coffee, which we did um, at a nicely set table. Yet this activity in particular resonated with me, partly due to my farming background. I know how the success of any farming endeavor is dependent on weather, parasites, and disease. And the personal aspect, um, just being invited into their home, as I said, was a privilege and a joy and to participate in the coffee preparation and then be able to drink it. That was probably the most, the activity that made the most impression on me through the week. Yeah, and I think when we talked to everybody in our group, I think that was one of the favorite activities. And like you say, it was just such an honor to be there. And I was reading up a little bit about how important coffee is to the Guatemalan economy. Um, Guatemala is like the Tansin coffee export in the world. And about 40% of their agri agricultural export incomes come from exporting coffee. So 
really important to, to me to understand how this coffee is produced and how much work goes into it and the need to again be mindful when we are buying coffee and maybe to make sure we buy some fair trade or cooperative coffee where more of the income goes to these farmers that put in so much effort. And we were given a bag of coffee mm. beans to bring home um, which I have not opened yet um, but Definitely, I think there was a certain amount of sacrifice involved in handing out 12 or 13 oh. bags of coffee beans. Exactly, yeah. Very generous. Yeah. So, you know, through the whole week, Amy, we were really surprised at the quality of the food. And that evening after um, the coffee farm tour, we had our chance to learn some traditional Guatemalan cooking at uh, La Tortilla Cooking School. And we were coached by this beautiful Guatemalan lady chef who really firmly kept us on track as we cut and diced and smelled and tasted for the pepian, the Guatemalan rice, the tortillas, the radish salad, and the relinitos. And it was just such a delicious taste out of only a few locally sourced ingredients. But Amy, you and I had kind of a funny incident there. Well, she allowed, she gave everyone a spoon and she allowed someone to, everyone to dip into this pot to taste the sauce before it became part of the overall dish we were working on. And she emphasized only one <laughs> taste, no double dipping. So I was near the end of the line to go through. I could have been the very last one, I think I was. So that meant that Debbie went before me and got her taste. And then I went through, and this little cook schooled in me soundly for double dipping, which she thought I had done. I hadn't. So she doesn't speak or understand English, and I speak very little Spanish, but somehow I communicated with her, no, this is my first time. And she looked very confused. So then somebody pointed out to me that she got Debbie and I mixed up. Yeah. She thought Debbie was going through for a double dip when she wasn't. So when I explained that to her that we were hermanas, she laughed and laughed and laughed and she gave me a great big hug and um, the moment passed but that was definitely a slight bonding moment to remember for the two of us and then after the meal we both had our picture taken with her and it was just just kind it of a amazing. funny moment yeah and i think that's one night that we'll all remember between the laughs and the food and just a little bit of wine and the just the amazing taste we created it was just just an awesome evening now amy there's something that everybody who visits guatemala has to try at least once that at one time had to do with real live chickens Ah, the buses. Yes, the buses. Um, chicken buses are repurposed school buses purchased from the U.S. and driven south to Guatemala. The buses undergo mechanical inspections and paint jobs in preparation for their new lives as chicken buses. We had the privilege of stumbling, happling across the bus depot, the chicken bus depot in Antigua behind the market. Um, it's a hubbub of activity, brightly colored buses coming and going, motors humming, people shouting, dust floating in the air, a total sensory experience and one not to be missed. 
there are several theories as to how the chicken buses got their name, the most common one being that the buses carry cargo, including chickens and sometimes human passengers, on the roof. So they became known as chicken buses. We rode on a chicken bus to the nature park, and on the trip, um, it was interesting to us that we traveled the whole distance with the bus door open <laughs> and a young man standing throughout the trip both ways on the steps of the bus, jumping off at intersections to signal to the driver when it was safe to proceed and then back on again. He rode there the entire trip, even at highway speed. And the bus de- at the bus depot, we noticed those young fellows on the steps of the buses as they pulled out of the station ready for the day's work. So it was a common common happening. Not surprisingly, lives are lost while these young Mm. fellows are performing their duties. And what can you tell us about the, mostly the second part of that road to the nature preserve that you're going to talk about? Oh, well, um, yeah, the the bus nav- the bus driver successfully navigated rough roads and five four or five river crossings, and got us to the got us to the yeah park yeah. and that was safely a, yeah and that was really through a rural area yeah. of um, Guatemala yeah. wasn't it where yeah, there were lots remote. of yeah. people on the roads and uh, yeah. motorbikes bicycles roosters honking. Uh, Honking, honking all yeah. the way um, just to let just because there were so many blind corners and hills yeah. just laying on the horn to let them let anyone coming toward us know that we were on our way yeah just an amazing experience and what can you tell us once we got there well the finca if i say saying it right finca <laughs> el zapote uh, it's about an hour and a half from Antigua, uh, a large natural park area where we enjoyed uh, a delicious lunch and a restful afternoon surrounded by an amazing variety of trees, flowers, and water areas. Um, uh, yeah, we rode on the chicken bus to get there. The first activity for those who chose to participate was a hike to a waterfall. We knew the hike would involve a river crossing. It actually involved many river crossings Mm -hmm. in water up past our knees in places. Um, Once at the falls, a few of us took advantage of the opportunity to stand directly under the icy cold water, cascading from the rocks far above, an invigorating jungle walk, exploring the beautiful surroundings, jumping in the water from a rope spring, swing, lunch of locally sourced ingredients, bug bites, chased by a goose, <laughs> a day full of memories at the park. Yeah, that was quite the day. And uh, one thing I liked about that was an example of how they source some um, local talent and such. We had a young guide on that river hike, didn't we? That, yeah. um, And he was really quite young, but he had this dagger in his hand that must have been a machete, two or three feet long. And the purpose, of course, was to cut um, walking sticks, but I felt it's a little more comfortable that he had it. And it was kind of funny because he was literally leaping from slippery rock to slippery rock, and we were all feeling our way. And at one point, he retrieved that ladder from up on the other side of the riverbed somewhere where I'm sure it had been hidden. And it was just um, quite an adventure. And, um, and so, yeah, I was going to say, Amy, that aside from um, 
all those different um, varieties of plants, there were probably some varieties of insects that we're not used to. I expect so. I expect so. And what could you tell us about that? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I knew by the end of the day I'd been bitten or stung by either bugs or a plant. I had five or six indications of that on the inside of my leg. And the next day, um, we were at a art museum, which we'll hear about later, I expect. And um, for some reason, I happened to look at my leg and my leg, I probably had about a six inch (laughs) wide and four inch, six inch long and four inch wide red blob on my leg from from the bites. I don't know what happened. Um, This is way more drama than I like to have in my life. But one of the hosts at the art museum happened to be a doctor. So he was immediately called over to check it out and and he recommended some treatment, some medication for it. And um, we got that ordered and I treated my leg and I survived. On we went. To see, yeah. It's a really good uh, reminder and travel tip, though I know, I think we all know, of course, you have to take your prescription medication with you, but um, it's just a really good reminder to always pack around a little bag of over-the-counter medication, um, you know, for many, many different purposes. And you and I were pretty well prepared for this between the two of us. I thought we had every... um, Every angle covered, but that one particular over-the-counter medication, I think you cost, it cost you several times what we would have paid in Canada because we hadn't taken any. It took all my Kitsalas <laughs> that I had left, and it cost me about three times what yeah. it would have cost at home. Yeah. So take it with you. Yeah. Um, so during the week, we just had so many diverse activities, which were adventuresome for us, but really also... Uh, contributed to the local economy in some way and Amy mentioned this art museum it was called the I'm going to say the fun but it's uh, the Foundation National para las Bellas Artes y la Cultura like the foundation for arts and culture and the purpose of the foundation today is to promote art and artists in Guatemala but this started out as a private collection of Guatemalan art in a mansion that was built specifically for the purpose of sharing the art with the world while the owners lived upstairs. And the husband has passed away, but the 83-year-old woman continues to live on the second floor. And we were just mesmerized by this collection. It was intricate and unique and diverse in topic and styles and methods and materials. And even my untrained eye knew that this was something special. And the garden was a display in itself with flowering beds and ponds and sculptures and um, it was made even nicer by our tour ending with champagne and tarts on the garden patio. And I really wondered if the 83-year-old owner upstairs was kind of peering out the window at times watching us. It was just so great. And uh, that art collection museum is open to the pub only by appointment only. So the next day we transitioned to Lake Atitlan by Tourista bus and sadly not a chicken bus but I really do understand why they had to hire a tourist bus. It was quite a long almost three hour ride um, northwest of Antigua and Lake Atitlan is a remote lake that sits in a huge volcano crater um, in kind of in the southwest of Guatemala and it's surrounded by small towns about a dozen in total that are mostly accessible only by footpath or water taxi. 
And the lake is quite massive. It's about 130 square kilometers and averages about 154 meters deep. There's a, an effort on by the small towns surrounding Lake Atlant to revitalize themselves in their own way, um, working for a better future for the local people. So it's just a perfect location to spend traveling do dollars in a smart manner because any weaving that you buy or ceramics or products, if you check to make sure they're um, crafted locally, then that money goes right back into the economy as well as the hotel dollars and the water taxi dollars and such. We, um, we were deposited at a little town called Panahachal, um, and we were there for about an hour for the purposes of um, snacks and shopping, and of course my snack was some just the best coffee and cardamom gelato, and that's something I really have to try and recreate. Panahachal is probably the largest and most developed of the Lake Adelaide towns with a colorful shopping street, which is just perfect for strolling and pictures and there's lots of booths with locally made goods uh, such as the Mayan weaving that we talked about earlier and it was just uh, just a really nice hour in the sun and strolling around there. We then jumped on a private lancha or water taxi to take us to our hotel on the shore of Lake Atitlan. Now, Amy, what can you tell us about a couple of the small towns we visited on Lake Atitlan and our experiences there? One of the villages, we, the first village we went to um, the, uh, was called Santa Catarina Palopo um, on, the shore of, on the shore of the lake. Uh, in the village is a tiny shop, the Savine Fabrica de Vines mm. y Cereria. <laughs> translated as Savine Candle Factory and Chandlery, and I had to look Chandlery up because it wasn't a word I was familiar with. Mm. It currently has a marine, um, um, a marine meaning, I guess you could say, but initially a Chandlery was a place, a wax place mm. where candles were, were made, so that's what it's called. Um, the, young, the manager is a young woman, um, who after completing high school spent one year looking for a job. There were no jobs available in the village, so no success there. She spoke with her father and they agreed she should start her own business, either a cafe or a candle shop. Knowing that everyone in the village used candles, she chose the candle shop. She now runs a successful business making and marketing candles. Her work is displayed and available for purchase on shelves and hanging from the ceiling of her tiny single room shop and manufacturing area. So she works in just a very small, maybe a six foot area where she has her stove and her table and her tools and the rest of the very small room is her shop. She distributes her product with the help of social media. And we were able to color and shape candles for ourselves. But for me, it was not the candles or the ceramics we would experience later that were significant, but the people mm -hmm. and their stories behind their success. Yeah, in that town of uh, Santa Catarina Palopo, 
Um, one of the things they're doing to revitalize themselves is to bring about the colors. So I guess the, uh, one of the focuses of the town is to really brighten up the town with all these uh, murals. And we saw a bunch of hanging, uh, were they flags or something? Uh, colorful fabrics when we came off the boat. And that's one of the things that um, they're doing there to, you know, draw tourists, draw money to their, um, to their town, to keep people employed. Uh, so it was really quite a beautiful little town. And I agree with you that it seemed to me the people in these small towns were just so um, down to earth and, and honest and kind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. What was the next town we visited? Well, in the afternoon after lunch, um, we went to another village, this one called Santa Antonio Palopo. And we went to the Ceramica Mayanque or Mayanke Ceramics shop. Uh, from mold or potting wheel to the finished product, each step was demonstrated for us. Great care and precision goes into the creation of the beautiful ceramic products, all done by hand, with the shop identified on the bottom of each item. So I picked up a couple of pieces and the name of the place was written on the bottom of the hmm. item so that you knew you were getting a genuine Guatemalan item if you went into the into a store and found them there you'd be you would know that the shop employs about 30 people and about 10 were working that day they had a complete a complete um, or a large order to complete and they wanted to get it out Um, and we each took home tiny cups that we had painted and again the significance for me was in the personal touch Mm. the employment of people from the village and the success of the business yeah, and I understand that that whole ceramics business is Santa Antonio Palopo's way of revitalizing themselves because uh, ceramics is um, the main provider of employment and income in that town. And I guess that little uh, ceramic studio we visited was actually started by an American potter years and years ago who liked the skills and then, or liked the clay in the um, in the ground there and taught his skills to locals who carried on the tradition. So that was another great experience. And again, um, I think our little coffee cups represented our um, personalities quite well because some of them were really, what would you say, intricate and um, detailed and beautiful and others were a little splattered. Yeah. I'd mentioned that the towns along Lake Atatlan are um, connected by footpaths, and we had a, a beautiful footpath that connected our hotel with the small town of Santa Cruz, La Laguna. And this was one of my favorite activities. And it wasn't in our tour activities, but it just really had an effect on me. Um, the footpath is about half an hour if you walk at a normal pace, but it goes up hills and steep stairs and stones and through what looked like kind of like an orchard slash jungle. And it just had a fabulous view of um, Lake Atatlan. And you know, what was just a fun thing for us was really a means of transportation for the locals. We saw people walking back and forth to work and some dogs and such. So we got to the upper town of Santa Cruz, La Laguna, and the upper town is the traditional old town, and it's not at all touristy, while the lower town down by the lake has the hotels and resorts. And on, um, on the Saturday, Amy and I walked, um, walked over there, and the Saturday market was in place, and it was really traditional, with produce spread out on the grounds, and buckets of fresh fish, and plucked chickens hanging in the sun. 
Um, it was really quite a unique experience. Efforts are being made to revitalize that town through a campaign to promote education and healthy lifestyles. And the slogan is Vamos por una Santa Cruz la Laguna Diferente, loosely translated as Onwards and Upwards for a Different Santa Cruz la Laguna. And um, part of that whole effort is um, getting locals to paint murals on the buildings. And we had just a delightful time walking around and checking out um, the murals. And as we were walking around, Amy, we met, Pe- we met, met Pedro, the we tailor. Pedro, yes. He runs a little tiny shop where he um, has, what, four or five different types of sewing machines. And he sews clothes for men and for women. And he was quite happy to sit and chat with us for a few minutes and to allow his picture to be taken. Yeah, and he didn't speak any English, but we managed to find out about how many siblings he had and that you and I were sisters. And his work was really nice. It yeah. was, yes. And then Amy, you ran into a woodworking shop, I which was really important to you. Shop. Yes, so my husband being a woodworker, this was of great interest to me. Um, we walked by and I could see the wood stacked along a wall and, and I peeked in through the, it was a lower window on the side of the shop that we could see into from the street. So I noticed the tools and I, stuck my head down and I just waved hello to the guys who were working in there and we took a few steps away and I told Debbie I said I have to go talk to those guys so turned around I stuck my head back in the window and they beckoned us to come in so we did so we walked into this woodworking shop and they were making um, cabinets and they have a good a good um, set of equipment to work with and it was just kind of one of the highlights of the day I think for me to be able to see that firsthand. Mm-hmm. And uh, on one of my other walks to Santa Cruz, um, La Laguna, I had talked with a young lady who's running her own medicinal and botanical garden so there's lots of little things going on in, um, in that town and we we're really impressed with an organization called Amigos for Santa Cruz which is a uh, um, it's a helping organization which is really aimed at providing training and education and healthy values all with the aim of um, getting people employed and living a healthier and higher standard of living and on the Saturday morning when Amy and I went we had this delightful breakfast on their balcony and the views across Lake Atatlan and back onto the little old town of um, Santa Cruz La Laguna were just exquisite. So that pretty much sums up our adventure in uh, Guatemala. After um, our little walk to Santa Cruz, La Laguna, it was time to get on our um, water taxi and then the bus for our trip back to Antigua for our flights home. And so, Amy, we were sitting on the floor of the Houston airport about a third of the way home, and you said that you were in awe that we had just had that experience. I know you said that, um, oh, you had a lot of good experiences between the coffee farm and the ceramics and the um, woodworking shop shop what was the what was the most impact that you received from this trip or what resonated with you the most or was the most meaningful or the most emotional well I believe it had to have been the coffee farm probably had the most um, made the most impression on me I would say Um, and I think maybe it was when I when I went, I didn't know what the group was going to be like. Um, it turned out they were all wonderful, 
which is not surprising. I just didn't know what to expect. But my goal is always to interact with each person on an individual basis as much as possible. And I think I did that, some more so than others. Um, but I think I did that to some degree, and that's <laughs> always important to me. And I always come away from any trip, even a day trip to the mountains or wherever I go, I come back thinking, I can't believe I just did that. Mm -hmm. And it's such a pleasant feeling yeah. to have yeah. after an experience. Yeah, so it resonated with you on all types of levels. And you know, sometimes you travel just for pure enjoyment, right? And then, but sometimes the trip is just so adventuresome and unique and awe-inspiring and touching that the memory will last forever. And this was one such trip. And I call this Guatemala tour a win-win-win. You know, it was a win for us as travelers because we learned about another culture, uh, tried, tried our hand at some traditional methods. And like you said, we gained some new friends and, and learned a lot. And it was a win for our tour company, El Camino Travel, as a business. Um, they succeeded in providing an experiential, socially conscious journey. And hopefully it was a win for the local Guatemalan people who own very small businesses like the candle store or the ceramic studio or the coffee farm or the water taxi or the coffee shop. Or for those who are hired by others, such as, you know, the hotel workers or the chicken bus drivers. Or for the artisans, like the weavers, who sell their goods on the streets and in the shops and through cooperatives. Or for businesses that source local goods and services. It's all different ways of providing better income and better futures for individuals in a developing country. I just love the quote by British actor Paul Shane Spear, who said, as one person, I cannot change the world, but I can change the world of one person. And that really resonates with me because Guatemala is just a perfect place to change someone's world by adventuring and traveling with a social conscience and making really informed decisions about where your travel dollars go to and, and learning about someone else and what other people experience. You know, Amy, we've only just touched on some of the important traditions and means of income to the local and or the indigenous Guatemalans and I really encourage people to research more about things like the Mayan weaving or the Guatemalan coffee industry or the revitalization of small towns or the little ceramic studios. It's just really eye-opening and informative um, and just gives you um, more insight into the world I guess you'd say. So thanks, Amy, for joining me on this great adventure and for this podcast. And I have a gut feeling that we'll be researching future similar trips somewhere in the world. Uh, this one, I have to say, was very well planned and very well orchestrated. And yes, I think we'll see where else this tour group goes and yeah. what it has to offer. Yeah. And thanks again for listening to my podcast. I hope you found it both interesting and inspiring. And also, as always, do your own research. But if you're interested in this specific trip, you can contact elcamino.travel or lunazoro.com for more information. And if you are interested, I humbly, off, humbly offer you my blog, midlifemusings.ca, for a photo drop. So please check back in a few weeks when I hope to have another special guest who literally has gotten a new breath of fresh air and a new lease on life. Thanks again, and I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.